Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people out in Radio Land, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I wish you all a very happy Saturday morning, and thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to get you all the information about dog flu. I'm sure you've been hearing scary news stories about the dog flu epidemic. Well, I've invited Dr. Jose Arce from the AVMA to give us the straight scoop on this story so that every pet parent can do what it takes to keep their furry kids safe and healthy. Then, after our halftime break, Tracy Mulder, marketing manager for PetSafe, will be stopping by to talk about a fun contest that could bring a fabulous new dog park to your community. This and more are coming right up after a quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it is my pleasure now to introduce Dr. Jose Arce from the American Veterinary Medical Association to the program. Good morning, Dr. Arce. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi. Good morning, Marie, and thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here because I have been seeing lots of scary news stories on TV where the newscasters are talking about epidemics of dog flu, and they're making it sound very, very frightening. And I'm wondering if you could talk about this topic for our listeners so that we have all the real facts about what's going on. Sure, yes. We're talking about uh, canine influenza, which basically is, is a dog flu, very similar to the human flu, and it's caused by a new strain that we have not seen before in the United States. Uh, this new strain is caused by a H3N2 strain, which is different from the previous one that we've had in the United States that we've had in the 80s, which is H3N8 virus. Now, is that uh, because it has mutated or... Something has come in from outside of the United States. It it, it both. Uh, great question. Uh, we believe this new strain uh, has uh, mutated from an equine influenza virus. Uh, the previous virus that we saw in the United States uh, uh, mutated from an avian influenza virus. Okay. And uh, this virus ha- has been seen uh, for the last four or five years, but it has never been seen in the United States up until now. First, we saw it in Korea, China, and Thailand, and for the first time this year, in 2015, uh, about a month ago, we started seeing it in the United States. What do you think the cause is for the entry here into the United States? Uh, basically, I mean, the suspicion is that, that uh, a dog traveled probably from Asia, one of these three countries that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and probably came into Illinois, just judging by the numbers, uh, specifically in Chicago, where we saw the outbreak happen. And, you know, that, that it, these viruses are transmitted by, by, you know, respiratory fluids, whether they're from your, the mouth of the dog or the nasal okay. uh, fluid. 
So if a dog comes into contact with another dog and they sniff each other's noses, then that's a potential for transmission? Correct. Uh, they could, it could be just direct transmission like that, like with aerosol uh, transmission, or it could be by maybe, you know, a dog bowl, or uh, we can even step into uh, some of these uh, fluids and bring it to our own house in our shoes. Oh, no. Even though... It, even though it doesn't affect us as humans, we don't get uh, the, the, the virus, but we can transmit it by bringing it in our clothing, by bringing it in our body, and then our dogs sniffing us or licking you know, us when, we, when they greet us when they get home okay. and because we had been in contact with the dog that was sick. Okay. Well, how long does the virus actually survive outside of a host? Okay. The virus... Uh, it, it all depends on what type of uh, form they get. And basically, we can get a mild form or a severe form. Mm-hmm. But basically, the, the virus can, can persist from 10 to 30 days. And in some dogs, you're only going to see a little bit of coughing, you know, and it will go away fast, uh, maybe in you know, 7 to 10 days. Mm-hmm. And in the dogs that get the more severe form, they can develop a, a pneumonia, they can develop a high fever, and you know some of some of these clinical signs that you see with a with with a more severe respiratory infection, and they they might have to be hospitalized and put in IV fluids and IV antibiotics. So it, it all depends on on what form they get, on how severe it is. Is it going to be harder for an older dog or a very young dog to be able to fight off the infection? Definitely, uh, the. Uh, immune system of the of a puppy or the immune system of a, a do, an older dog or, or a sick dog uh, is definitely weaker and and that's going to play uh, a role in, in that in that uh, dog being able to, to fight off the virus you mentioned that this was in Illinois correct has it correct. spread to any other parts of the United States or do you foresee that it will spread to other parts of the United States even though it, it has been spreading slowly through, through more states, uh, the outbreak has been dwindling down. We've seen a lot less cases than we saw in, in late April, where, where we saw uh, you know thousands of cases in within a couple of weeks in, in the Chicago area, and we have seen it as, as, as south as Alabama. We have seen some cases, and the suspicion is that that someone traveled with the dog, you know, probably to the to the east coast to one of the states that. Uh, that got affected, or to the the mid country like Illinois, uh, and and that's how it happened. But most of the most of the, the majority of the cases had happened on the on the Chicago area, Illinois, and we we're seeing a lot less cases now okay. because people are are more aware of of what to look for. Okay, so barring somebody traveling with an infected dog, then the virus should be limited limited rather by geography, correct? As far as Partly traveling well. to the West yeah. Coast, okay, and yeah, and with time we might see some cases, you know, slowly, uh, you know, creep up in states that we haven't seen them because because of people traveling, mm-hmm. and there could always be the potential of another outbreak happening somewhere else where where a lot of dogs come in contact with a uh, maybe one of these dogs with influenza goes to a to a boarding facility or goes to a dog show or something like that where there's the potential to transmit uh, and infect many dogs. Right. That's, that's a little worrisome. 
Now, you said it doesn't affect humans, so that's a good thing. But what about other pets, for example, cats? Since it did mutate from horses to dogs, can it mutate, therefore, from dogs to cats? Okay. Uh, We haven't seen any cases in cats with the current virus. Okay. Uh, But but in studies, in close studies, uh, they have been able to to transmit it to a cat. Uh, Fortunately... uh, it hasn't happened yet on the on the on the natural uh, occurrences, but okay. on the laboratory, uh, it has been able to be transmitted. So it, it has the potential to be transmitted to, to cats. So tell me again, what are the symptoms? What are we looking out for? Okay, basically, uh, it's it's a it's a respiratory virus, like other respiratory viruses, such as one that you probably have heard many times, that is the, the kennel cough. Okay. okay. And basically, the the first thing that you that you see is a persistent cough. Uh, that cough uh, might sound like uh, like a dry hugging cough, mm-hmm. and and in some dogs it will go away real quick. In other dogs, you know, might, you might see other things such as decreased appetite, lethargy. Uh, you you start seeing uh, copious uh, nasal or, or uh, discharge. And in the more severe cases, you, you're gonna you're gonna have a dog that that is very weak because he has a high fever and and it. But basically, the, the the sign is a persistent cough. Okay, so if you notice a persistent cough in your dog, then you should take your pet to your veterinarian as soon as possible. Definitely, and especially uh, you know since we don't have a vaccine for for this uh, virus, it hasn't been developed yet. We, we want to make sure that. That we we can diagnose. Uh, uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks, there, there has been a new test developed as a rapid diagnostic test that that we can get a, a, an answer quickly, and we can differentiate it from the other viruses. If we find out that it's an influenza virus, we wanna we wanna separate this dog from from the healthy pet population and control uh, the infection and make sure it's not spread. Okay, just so that our listeners aren't scared, so if they take their pet into a veterinarian's office and they determine that it does have dog flu, their dog's not going to be taken away from them, right? No, no. It's just going to be, basically, we're going to educate the public and tell them, you know, don't take it. If if it has a mild form and we diagnose that it's a canine influenza, we're basically going to tell you, keep the dog home, Mm -hmm. don't take it to a park, don't take it boarding, don't take it to a dog show, uh, you know, if you if you have other other dogs, uh, separate it, uh, or keep it in a hospitalized where you can have it, you know, confined uh, and separated from the healthy pet population. How long does it normally take for a reasonably healthy dog to recover? I'd say uh, at the most two weeks. Two weeks, okay. So- yeah. And for an older dog or a very young puppy, maybe longer than that. Yeah, it could go up to to four weeks. You know, the, I guess that the, we can say anywhere from ten to thirty days. Okay. And most probably, those those younger dogs or those older dogs or those sick dogs are going to be closer to the thirty days. Okay. But and if we get if we attack it quickly, and and this dog doesn't develop that thick nasal discharge that I mentioned before, and, mm-hmm. and doesn't get the secondary bacterial infection. We can usually control it pretty good. Okay, and you would probably be treating it with supportive treatment then, since there is really there's not Basically, much more you can do. 
Mm-hmm. Supportive treatment it is, and, and basically most of the cases are just going to be treated with an antibiotic. Okay. And, you know, and good sanitation, you know, make sure we clean the bowls, make sure that we, we like I mentioned before, we separate the, these dogs from, from other dogs. And in the, in the more severe cases, then we're going to have to hospitalize those and put them on IV fluids, IV antibiotics, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes anti-inflammatory drugs. To, to bring down the inflammation in the respiratory tract and, and control the cough. Okay. Where can our listeners find more information? Because I know this is something that people want to know about. Definitely. They, they can look at the American Veterinary Medical Association website, apma.org, and there's there's all uh, kinds of information about, about this and other diseases. Right now, uh, we're seeing other diseases. Cases of of the influenza in birds coming back, and there's there's a good information in that. Okay. But as far as uh, the canine influenza, we have we have uh, guys for pet owners. We have uh, you know basic questions and answers of, of the most you know the most common questions that people have about this virus. Excellent. Well, Dr. Arce, this has been very informative, and I'm so glad you were able to share the facts about dog flu or canine influenza with all of us. So thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for having us and and help keep the people, uh, the public informed. Definitely. We need to take a super fast break now, but don't go away because in just a moment we'll be talking with Tracy Mulder, Marketing Manager for PetSafe, who has some great news about how your community can win a brand new dog park. This and more are coming right up on the other side of a quick station break here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. Thanks for staying with us. We have a very special guest for our second half. It's Tracy Mulder, Marketing Manager for PetSafe. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, Marie. It's so nice to meet with you. I'm so happy that you're with us today because I heard all about a very fun contest that you guys are putting on that might result in a local community getting their very own dog park. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So we are so excited to be doing the fifth annual Bark for Your Park contest. Um, And this is a a contest where it's open to any community in the U.S. and D.C. And we reward one community with a grand prize of $100,000 to go towards an off-leash dog park in their community. So we're so excited. It's our fifth year. um, And it's just really something that we're very passionate about and just love, love to share with everyone and to talk about. That's very cool. You know, I've heard about these contests in the past. I had no idea you were already on your fifth annual. Congratulations. Yes, thank you so much. Is there a website that somebody could visit where they can see what some of the past winners have done with their dog park money? Absolutely. So um, www.petsafe.net um, backslash bark for your park. But if you just go to the petsafe.net, um, our website, you can uh, get the link to the bark for your park, and it can tell you, all about the the contest and just an overview and the dates and you know just tips and tools and list of communities that have won in the past and mm-hmm. um, pictures of of events that they've done. So it's just a really great kind of place to go and check out the whole the whole contest. Well, just so that we get some of that information out on the radio to our listeners today, let me ask you first: How does one qualify? How does one enter to begin with? So there's a couple 
parameters that you have to um, uh, have on board to, to get interested. So once you submit your community, you, you know, you volunteer, you vote your community to be part of the contest. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, there's a couple things that you have to, um, from a community-wise, kind of organize. And that is land for the park. So obviously, there needs to be a space that um, you can build the park um, area for your community. Okay. In addition, there has to be a letter from, typically we say, just a city official, like a mayor or parks and recs um, official, supporting the park as well. Okay, so you, you can't just want to do this in your backyard then. <laughs> That's right. There's a little bit of organization and preparation that has to happen to get your community you know, on the list of, 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 of eligible communities. But so it, it seems like land then is, is the big factor, especially in California, for example. You'd really want to make sure that your city was on board and maybe they had some city space somewhere that's not being used that they're willing to donate or repurpose toward a dog park, correct? That's, that's correct. That's correct. I mean, that's probably the hardest part about the whole, you know, the contest. So. And then what is actually involved in developing a dog park? So you have this chunk of land and it's just all dirt. What do you, what is $100 usually, $100,000, a <laughs> hundred, yeah, <laughs> used to, to enhance? Right. Well, and you know, I, I do want to mention real quick too that we have the the grand prize winner of a hundred thousand, but mm -hmm. we also award for other communities um, the runner-ups twenty-five thousand dollars each as well. So it's a total of five communities that receive um, funds. So to answer your question, you know, the hundred thousand dollars is going towards the construction, the permits, um, anything to do with as far as the design and layout of the parks. You know, a lot of our parks will have water features or, you know, special, um, special, you know, pet design kind of areas. And so that $100,000 is going towards um, really the design and, and construction of each of the, of the dog parks. Okay. Now, to enter, does somebody have to be creative and, and write an essay about why their community deserves a dog park and maybe be funny? Or, or what do you suggest? Well, you know, we have in the, in the past years we've done um, video submissions. You know, that was actually part of the, the contest rules in the past. This year, um, we, you know, we still encourage the video, um, you know, kind of introductory to your communities. But it's really more about um, getting your community involved. You know, what at the time that you start voting, and in, in June 10th, we, we have our finalists. So we have 15 finalists on June 10th. Okay. And that's really the critical time where it is, it's really about the communities getting together and, and you know, really bringing the community together and advertising the Bark Fear Park for, for them and their neighborhoods and you know, through social media, um, through advertising, you know, with retail partners in those communities and really getting the buzz around for them. From our standpoint, you know, we just, as long as you have met the requirements for the contest, you know, we are, we are excited to have you on board. It's really more grassroots in the communities um, um, kind of contest that we just want to support and help, help those communities, um, you know, get, win a dog park. You know, okay. Really. So initially, all of you folks at PetSafe will select 15 finalists, and those 15 finalists will be placed on a social media platform where folks can go vote? 
Right. So we'll have the top the, the top 15 finalists will be on our website. They'll have their own um, page, uh, community f- uh, page as well, that you can then every day vote for vote for your community. So they'll have, um, you know, in addition to anything that they're doing locally in their community mm-hmm. on their own Facebooks, we have them um, announced and advertised and support them through our website as well. Let me ask you this. Throughout our country, we have cute little small towns with populations of a thousand or less, and then we have big bustling towns that have a few hundred thousand people in them <laughs> to give a wide uh, distance there between the two types of communities. And if people are voting based on their community, it seems perhaps there's a little bit of an advantage toward large communities. Is is there anything in place that will help those little small towns so that we, they have as much of an edge as the big communities? That's right. We do have a part of our, you know, the, the, that's why we, we award the five, the five awards, and that's based on um, small, the size of, of the communities of the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are there, there are a small a small community award, a large community award. So we do kind of take that into into consideration. Okay. Um, yeah, to make it a little bit, you know, from a fairness standpoint. Okay. You so can still win small. if you're the small, okay. you know, the really small community. But then at the end, you know, even it's still about getting a lot of people to, you know, get on and vote on Facebook or on the pet, you know, the PetSafe.net website. So there's still that you've got to get people to physically vote for you. And yeah. you know, sometimes it can be harder in the larger communities to make that happen. Well, that's true because people in larger communities get busy and, and aren't necessarily as small-town oriented and involved in their community as, as those wonderful little small towns. That's right. So, yeah, so I guess it does balance out, doesn't it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, and why do you think it's important to have dog parks? Well, you know, first off, PetSafe's mission um, is really to, you know, to be the really – so our mission as a, as a company is to be, to be the most trusted pet brands, and part of that, and a lot of our focus is on just healthy, um, safe, you know, pets and protecting your pets, and we really feel strongly that um, a lot of causes of, you know, behavioral issues or adoptions or um, shelter numbers, you know, animals in shelters are due to behavioral problems because there's not that place to take your dogs and, Mm -hmm. um, and let them exercise and let them socialize with other pets. And we really believe that when you can build these pet these pet parks um, in in your community. It allows it gives people a place to take their dogs, um, and it's not only healthy for the pets, but it's, it's you know it's a great place for people to socialize with each other, right? Um, to get information, you know, helpful tips. You know, you learn so much from just other pet owners. Absolutely. So we, we really feel like it just brings a lot of not just a healthier, ex, you know, bringing the exercise and letting your dogs kind of be dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, it also benefits. Um, us two-legged Absolutely. And I have noticed, too, at at some dog parks that I've visited in the past, uh, a lot of senior citizens will bring their dogs so that their dogs have the opportunity to really run around like crazy and and get some great exercise, which may or may not be something that they can provide because 
of their physical condition at, at a, a later age in life. So this is a really good opportunity to give their dogs a chance to run around and, and have a lot of fun where they can't normally you know, right. go out for a 10-mile jog with their pets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, and, and, and not only, you know, with, with an, um, a senior citizen um, kind of age group, but you just have places where you can't let your dogs um, off 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 a leash, right? right? So mm-hmm. um, whether it's cities or, or just any, you know, communities, a lot of communities. So it's just a place that we feel it just, it, you know, it, it, it just it brings the community together um, and it just brings an element of, you know, just that pet loving um, kind of factor that is, is only going to end up benefiting, you know, benefiting the community. Absolutely. Um, everyone in it. So. Another great thing, too, is when you meet other dog parents at dog parks, you start a network. And if you ever need a hand with something, for example, you need a ride to a veterinary hospital or you need somebody to maybe provide a little daycare for your pet or maybe vacation care for your pet while you're gone away, it's a great place to meet other pet lovers and to to really get to know them and find out that they're trustworthy and develop a relationship for those future situations. That's right. No, we totally agree. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it, it benefits not only the, the pets but us as well. It just provides a place for people to gather and to kind of get that information. Um, and that's just really important for PetSafe, and that's what we really believe in is, is sharing information and, and just bringing that healthy lifestyle to pet owners and pets you know, as well. Tracy, let's give out your website one more time before we say goodbye. Okay, it's www.petsafe.net. And then Bark for Your Park contest is, is on the site. So PetSafe.net. So I would love for your listeners, you know, thank you again for um, you know, talking to, talking about this with your listeners. I really appreciate it. And we hope everyone will go out and, and really check out the site and look at your community and to see if this is something that your community can participate in as well. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And it is time to take our last break of the morning. But when we return, be ready for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. The City of Irvine's Animal Care Center will host its ninth annual Super Pet Adoption event on Sunday, June 7th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 6443 Oak Canyon Road in Irvine. More than 50 pet rescue groups and animal shelters will bring more than 800 homeless dogs, cats, rabbits, and other small animals to the facility and make them available for adoption. The event will also feature vendors, refreshments, free veterinary and trainer advice, low-cost microchipping, and a silent auction of more than 40 fun items. Admission is just $1 per person, and parking is absolutely free. Leashed and vaccinated friendly dogs are welcome. For more information, visit www.irvineshelter.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show. You can also find us on Facebook. We're listed under Pet Place Radio, and that's all one word. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love 
and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of The Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.